We are in First uh, Peter 1, 13 to 23. I'll um, just be a little bit before I get into reading that scripture. Um, we are talking about, we're doing this whole series on First Peter. Uh, so we started last week. Um, and this week we're calling it, uh, A Living Hope Means Nonconformity. Okay, so uh, how does that affect us? What is Peter saying to us about not being conformed to this world. Um, I find it really encouraging uh, that uh, when I look at the life of Peter, okay, and um, I kind of, before we kind of get into this, I just want to sort of spend a bit of time just really thinking about Peter himself. Um, and he's the guy who wrote this book, and he's, he's speaking out of this thing. We're hearing, um, we're hearing a passionate address Okay, uh, it's interesting. The first section, um, kind of 1 to 13, it almost doesn't stop. And you're thinking, my goodness, where's the full stops here? Because he just goes, oh, and it actually in the Greek, there isn't, a, isn't one. He, it's just one long sentence. And he's just spilling out actually what he, what's in his heart and his passion. And uh, Peter is speaking out of a first-hand experience. Um, this is not some well-honed treatise or academic theology. He is infused and alive with a hope that is in Christ. And let's face it, Peter was a guy who needed quite a lot of hope. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he, he gets pretty low, doesn't he? If anyone has a reason to lose hope, it's Peter. Um, the, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, the hope deferred makes the heart sick or sad. Okay, You've been really hoping for something, and it just hasn't really come, and it's kind of like you're believing, you're hoping for it, you're, you're wanting it, you're, you're, you've thought about it a lot, you've engaged with it, and it just seems to slip away from you. Oh, can make your heart sick. Just think of him in that picture that we get uh, at the end of John, of him out on the lake. He's gone back to the family business of fishing. He feels dejected. He, he, he knows that it's his own fault. He, you know, he, he's the one who's denied Christ. Um, all that Christ has kind of called him to, I want you to be a fisher of man. He's kind of given up on at this point. Peter was known, wasn't he? As the brash one, the bold one. In, a, in common parlance, we'd say the gobbier one. <laughs> oh, yes, <clears throat> I will go anywhere for you, Jesus. Anywhere, you name it, I'll do it. He was that kind of guy. And then there was kind of reality that kind of kicked in, okay, which was actually the reality of himself, his own weakness and unreliability. I don't think it's just youth that suffers from optimism and bold dreams. I think it's just that often the history of our weakness and failures haven't really caught up with us yet. Uh, I... We've all been watching political events um, recently. The unfolding of leader after leader stepping down right, in a way which I have never seen in my lifetime. 
quite a long lifetime. Uh, <laughs> and maybe some of those will never return to the stage again. You know, when you step up as a leader, you take on serious responsibility, don't you? You run the risk of it all collapsing just as quickly. You have to pin your colours to the mast. And if that ship goes down, well, then in all integrity, you have to kind of go down with it. Your performance and weaknesses are laid bare for all to see. It is very exposing and vulnerable. And for Simon Peter, who boldly said a lot of things, his hopes were dashed. All he could see, all he'd put his hopes on, this outspoken, bold, radical that he actually discovers about himself that really he's just a cowardly liar when it comes down to it. And he just at that time just wanted to crawl away, get back to something that was less visible and allow others to step up in his stead. I'm I'm obviously just not cut out for this. I'm going to let other people just come in and I'm just going to step away and go back to what I'm good at, which is fishing. Um, And that was the, that was kind of like, that was the hope that was dashed. And he then speaks into this. And that's why I'm saying that. I want it to feel that sense of personal, this is what was going on for him. That actually he's coming with this letter. To re- he's really speaking out of a passion out of his heart. Before we criticize too quickly, I think anyone who's experienced even a small measure of leadership will have hit that wall. Where there's times where you just want to throw in the towel and leave it up to others. I know there's been times in my life that I have. I think the higher you climb and the steeper the fall. You know, we were away recently, Anne and I, in uh, Mallorca. And I want to say we went on the scariest bus journey we've ever done. <coughs> just have a look at this picture. Okay. Uh, we, um, uh, this was the last day. And uh, you can see it's glorious sunshine. Um, it, it was. And um, it was the last day. We said, well, what are we going to do? We've done the thing. We've done this. And, then, and we thought, well, actually, there's this bus journey that kind of takes us. And we thought, an hour and a half bus. You know, it's beautiful sunshine. To sit in a bus for an hour and a half. You know, isn't that not going to be a bit boring? I mean, you know. And so on. Well, little did I realize. I mean, I had never. There was no way I could actually get my book out and read it. Because it was so scary. We, were, we went right up to the top of the mountain and right down there were these spirally roads that you can see. And you can just see in the middle of there, there's somebody sort of cycling up these things. There was loads of cyclists. Um, and this bus driver, I tell you, um, he kind of, he, he does these twists and turns, swerving the vehicle to within inches of a rock face as he kind of turns it around and perilous drops as you look down and you're just thinking, oh my goodness. Um, and uh, I use the word awesome. It was awesome in the proper sense of the word because you are, you know, <laughs> heart was in your mouth as you kind of, uh, wow. But it was also absolutely amazing and seeing it. Um, he knew about scary drops and about responsibility. Um, so uh, let's look at this passage in the light of actually uh, what was going on in Peter's life and see what he's got to say to us. 
Um, we are picking it up at verse 13. Um, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, which we've already heard about, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Amen. The issue that Peter is exhorting us about in this letter is that our hope must not rest in anything else but Christ. He takes us back to our salvation. Our identity must be placed on what he has done. He's talking in this passage about our behavior, our conduct. Will it be fashioned by the world and our previous life or will it be fashioned by Christ our behavior is affected by what we believe it is our the living hope that we live with affects what we do and that's really what he's saying okay so going to start off, I'm going to just look at this scripture, and part of it, I'm also going to flip back to the previous scripture, as you'll see uh, from last week as well. We're going to start with, right at the beginning, therefore. Therefore. I want to say to you, often you kind of think, therefore, it's just a kind of preposition, it's just a joining word that kind of joins one line of thought with another line. We often don't pay much attention to it, but I want to say, in the Bible, we need to take particular attention to the word therefore. When we see therefore, it should think, therefore what? It's therefore has followed something. Therefore. And we kind of need to, you can't just kind of go straight into therefore. 
you have to go, well, what was the therefore? What is it therefore? <coughs> As Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I think. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 19, teaching the Pharisees about God's heart for marriage. No, these are no longer, this is said in, in our wedding services, okay? It's still used. No longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Yeah? So he's saying, these two that are coming together to get married, these two are now one. Therefore, what God has made one, let no man separate. It's a, kind of, it's a powerful statement. Because this is actually the truth, the two are now one, therefore, don't get in the way of that. Don't try and separate it again. Paul talks in Romans 4 uh, about Abraham. And we know this is one of the sort of key verses in Romans saying about Abraham because he was fully persuaded that God was able to keep his promises. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay? Because he believed the promises, therefore, it was credited to him. It's a really important word. It's actually saying our righteousness by our faith is we are made righteous. We are made, God counts us righteous because we believe. Because we believe, therefore, you're made righteous. It's an absolutely key scripture. So that's the therefore. Because this is true, A, B, and C, therefore, God has caused us to do this, or we, it means that we need to do this. So in this instance, we need to look back to what the therefore comes before this point, before we can go on and look at it. And so I'm going to just flip back into and just quickly look at this without reading it out. And I'm going to say that this is what we looked at last week. For those not here, um, we reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Um, we're aliens. What does this mean? It means that it means that in reality, we're citizens of heaven, not Scotland, not the UK, not the EU. We are living for something else. It enables us not to get too possessive, too permanent in our thinking and our investments here on earth because we're aliens. We're, we're actually, we're just passing through this world. What I'm investing in is a heavenly kingdom. It makes me not so bothered when somebody gets that job promotion that I've been waiting for or that job that I wanted and we, I get all stirred about it because actually I'm thinking, ah, that was mine, that was mine, and why did I have that? I say, no, no, just remember this truth. Okay, it helps us to hold things lightly. It goes on because... You were chosen. Because I'm chosen, it affects my thinking. I know that actually God has chosen me. And that it wasn't my doing. It actually was his doing. It was his initiative. He's the one who said, 
I've chosen you. You're mine. It, I know that I'm foreknown by, the fa- by God the Father, that he knew about me. And I know this as well, that the Spirit of God is at work in me and he's the one who's helping me to become more holy, to, to become more Christ-like. He's at work in me and he's doing this work. It's actually his spirit in me that's enabling me to do that. I know his great mercy caused me to be born again. It's, it wasn't anything I did. It was because of his great mercy that caused me for these things. I know that Jesus was resurrected and therefore if he was resurrected, so am I going to be resurrected. And I also know that actually he has an inheritance reserved. He's watching over it, reserved in heaven for me. So that, actually, I don't have to worry what's going to happen. Are my investments going to be all right? No, no. Jesus is watching over and making sure that they're safe and they're there when we turn up. Here they are. Here they are. This is, I reserved these. I've been watching over these. Yeah? And so what Peter is saying is he's saying because of these things, because of these things, therefore this. Okay? Because we think about those things and dwell on those things and we need to be kind of worshipping God. It's a bit like a, um, it's a, bit like a, a Christian song. You know, we're kind of, I know I'm chosen, I know I'm, you know, foreknown, I know, you know, I'm born again, I'm, da-da-da, you know, great mercy. And we're kind of, we're, we're kind of, it's a bit, that's what we do when we're singing with those songs. That's what we're doing. We're remembering, we're, we're repeating again, this is what God's done. This is what, this is who he is. This is what he's done for me. This is the thing. This is therefore, therefore, therefore. And it's like, it's, it's this truth that we're living with. Many learned psychologists have grappled with the problem of how do we change behavior? And I think that actually we do agree that actually what we believe about ourselves and our identity and our worldview affects how we behave. Peter is saying, don't be conformed to this world and its values, which you have been before you knew Christ, but be conformed to Christ and his values. He uses the term former lusts, which you were yours in ignorance, meaning that you were just stumbling along. You were basically at the beck and call of your own desires in this consumer society. You made some decisions which were about, well, maybe I won't drink and drive, but that was because you thought, well, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be stopped from driving. So you're making decisions which are actually good for you again. <laughs> so even those things that you are deciding about, they're not, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying, the difference is that actually today when I know Christ, I'm making decisions as what do you want for me? It's not just what's best for me, it's actually what is best for you? What are you saying to me? What are you, what's, how, I, I want my behavior and my con- conduct to be conformed to what you've got for me. Not just what's the best thing for me. I want, you, I want my life to be fashioned on what is best for you. 
Jesus Christ being the example of that, of actually, was it best for him that he went to the cross? Did he gain anything out of that? <laughs> no. But he was conformed to his Father's will. He was conformed to saying, this is what, this is what we've agreed, and this is the only way that my people can be saved is that actually I go to the cross. And we've got to make decisions, beloved, on saying, what is it that God's calling me to? Not what's in my best interests, but what is it that actually God's calling me to? Is this what God's calling me to? I don't really like that. You know, we live in a society which is all about me, 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 me. Isn't it? It's all about me. It's all about selfies and me and here's me and uh, me and la 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 you know actually the bible teaches us no no it's all about him 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 are you living for him are you focused on him are you thinking about him are you allowing his values to affect your behavior in the workplace Let's have a look at what he now tells us that we need to do because we know these things. So he tells us in verse 13 that we need to prepare our minds for action. We need to prepare our minds for action or to gird up your loins for action. It's a bit like, um, so it's a kind of term that's kind of used in the Old Testament, sort of like, kind of hoisting up your garments and sort of tucking them in uh, because you're about to run. So there's this kind of act, you've got to feel this action. It's a kind of like, come on, get ready. Kind of, you know, tuck in your shirt and kind of get on, right, okay, I'm getting ready. I'm going to run now. I'm going to get ready for action. I mean, this is, a, this is not sort of like, I'm not going to, I don't want to trip over things, all right? I'm going to get ready for action. That's the sense of it, okay? That's the word that's being used here. Okay, preparing our minds for action. Um, it, what, it, what it means is be alert. Don't be sloppy. Don't be slow. Don't be sleepy. Engage brain, we would say today. <clears throat> there is an earnest plea to say think. Think. Okay. Please engage your brain right now. That's what, it, that's what Peter's saying. Think. Think about what? Think about those truths that I've just talked about in those first 13 verses. Think about being born again. Think about what God's done. Think about, engage your brain. Think about them. Dwell on them. Okay, that's what he's saying. Okay, what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven, not of this world? And so on. What does that mean? And then he's saying we're, we're, we're called to action. Okay? It's not just sort of, it's not just, oh, I just chill out, you know, just kind of relax and kind of let it come and so on. No, no, there's a sense, there's a sense of battle here. And we get it in Paul as well, you know, take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. There's a sense of action. There's a sense that I actually need to do something. I don't just kind of let everything just flow in and flow out and what's this TV program, what's that? And oh, yeah, I just kind of, you know, I just, hey, I'm just... A sponge, I just let it all soak in. No, I actually 
I take action. I take every thought captive. Um, or again, Paul in Ephesians 6, be alert as your enemy is roaming about, looking to see who he can devour. Don't just let yourself drift into sinful ways. Okay? I think often, from my experience, most likely it happens when you're tired. You're just kind of like, oh, I just can't be bothered. And you, your guard's down. I am really glad that this coach driver that we went on <laughs> was fully alert and wasn't sort of like, oh, I've had a terrible night. I'm just going, hmm? Because <laughs> you know, we would have gone off the cliff. <clears throat> what Peter's saying is, be alert. John Piper says about this verse, think energetically. Okay. <laughs> and I think just on that, I think, I think there's times where we are tired, okay? There are times where we've had you know, bad nights and we, we're, just, we're just tired. We've had a, a crazy day. And we just need to be extra careful at that moment because actually we're very vulnerable at that moment. And he's saying, just be alert about it. Secondly, he says, be sober in spirit. Again, this is about not being muddled or cloudy in our thinking. We automatically kind of think when we use the word sober about drinking, but I think it, it can also, I think it can mean that, but I think it also can be just sort of swept along by the crowd, okay? The sort of fun, casual, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, come on, just let your hair down. Just kind of like, you know, and we kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, actually, actually it does matter. Actually, we need to not forget that God has ransomed us with a precious price that we'll look at in a moment, and he has a high calling for us, that actually I am an ambassador of God, and I need to be ready at any moment for that God moment, that divine appointment. What is happening right now? Is there a moment where God is wanting me to interact with this person or this situation? I cannot just be off the boil and kind of like just forgetting about it, okay, caught along with the whole thing, actually we need to be engaged, engaged in our spirit. It doesn't mean we can't have fun, okay, it's not saying don't have fun, we, we, it's not, it's not that, that we're being called to be killjoys at the party, it's not about fun, it's about sort of switching off, and it's about thinking, no, no, actually, I know that wherever I am at any situation, God has a plan and a purpose for me, and I need to be aware of that. Do you understand what I'm saying with that? And then thirdly, he says, fixing our hope completely on the grace that is to come at the revelation of Christ. I, I just want to hear some of these verbs. He's using prepare, be sober, fix. Okay, these are great verbs that he's saying. We hear it in Hebrews 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, Paul says to Timothy in, in Timothy 6 uh, about the wealthy in his church. Make sure they don't fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. I, I, I want to say something about fixing, okay, and, and making sure that you hitch up properly, okay. Uh, I, I've had some experience of towing caravans and trailer tents in my time, okay? And I tell you, making sure that the caravan is firmly attached to the car is vitally important, okay? <laughs> uh, I had a story um, 
a, a friend of mine, Eric, from uh, Inverness said, you know, they went to buy a caravan. And um, the guy who was selling it was just one of these guys who was like, no, 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 just leave it to me. I'll fix it on the back of your car. You know, it's like, well, you know, I, I, I don't mind doing it. No, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Let me do it. And it was all this kind of, okay, okay. So the guy kind of did it and fixed it on the car and <clears throat> off they drove. And they got around the first corner and the caravan, they went this way and the caravan went that way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they drove back to the cellar and they said, um, can I have my check back? <laughs> the caravan's around the corner. And obviously, you hadn't attached it properly. And, uh, you know, it's important that we fix our hope firmly. The word, just see that word? It says, fix your hope completely. Don't, don't be half high. Don't do it a little bit or, you know, actually, I'm not, not. No, fix it completely on Christ Jesus. Are you fixing your hope completely on Christ Jesus or is it on some other things? Next, Peter says, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were redeemed with an imperishable blood of Christ, okay? Conduct yourself with fear. Paul says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trampling. We do hear this kind of sense of working out with fear. Um, we are aware from what it's saying that our Father is an imp impartial judge. He will judge all our works on the day of judgment. Christ paid with his blood Something that is not only more costly than earthly riches, but eternal and never fading. And we shouldn't treat it casually or lightly, okay? If I was to ask you, uh, by the way, um, Luke, could you, could you drive somebody to the airport this afternoon? Okay? And you went, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, fine. Yeah, I'll fit it in. Uh, you know, what time? no, no, no. If I then said, well, uh, who, who is it, by the way? Uh, and I said, well, actually, it's um, Princess Charlotte. Okay. <laughs> you would have a slightly bit more, hmm. <laughs> yes, well, uh, is my car up to it? You know, I, I, I mean, you know, crikey. You know, you, you, you're going to feel the weight of it, okay? Uh, and that's what's happening here. Uh, Peter's saying, Feel the weight of it. You know, this Christ gave his blood, his precious, precious blood, in order that you could be not only born again, but brought from this kingdom, this fleshly, earthly kingdom that you were part of, and brought into his glorious kingdom of eternity. And he bought it with his blood. So there needs to be a sense of a certain reverence and fearsomeness that actually, I better not screw this up. That's what he's saying. Just have that awesomeness about this moment. Do you know, there has never been a more precious substance on the face of the earth and never will have than the blood of Jesus that has redeemed millions 
and will continue to redeem millions. It is the most precious substance that has ever been. Yeah? His blood. A healthy fear of God and our Father, righteous judge, helps focus our minds and stops us from blowing it or crashing the car through either purposeful, dangerous driving or more likely just a lack of seriousness that we might have with our walk with God. So there needs to be a sense of this is really important, I get this right. God has purpose for me and there's a sense of preciousness about this. God has redeemed your life and my life. And there's a sense of, Lord, help me. Lord, help me not to mess it up. Yeah? It matters. And finally, <clears throat> and finally, let's um, have the band up. And finally, this imperishable versus perishable seed, okay? So let's just go back one slide, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, I haven't got it there. Um, can you take us back to the first slide number? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Try slide six. Uh, yeah, that's it. Great. Okay. Uh, no, the next one. <laughs> that one. Yeah, that's it. Great. Okay. Okay, my mistake. It's, it's okay. Yeah, just, just hold a second. Um, this is just an important point, and I want to be able to communicate this because it's. Peter is reminding us in Isaiah 40, this, this verse in 24, all flesh is like grass. Okay. Here today, gone tomorrow. The world fades, strong governments collapse, empires will rise up and fade away. The Roman Empire has disappeared. The Russian Empire that was in our day is not in that same way at all. Okay. My roses are looking lovely at the moment in my garden. <clears throat> but I know they will fade. In, in, in a week's time or so, with a bit more rain, they'll start really fading. Uh, hair fades, skin wrinkles, health deteriorates. But you know what? God has placed inside us his imperishable seed. And this, Peter, is finishing this section with. This seed, and seed is an interesting topic in Scripture. Jesus talks about seed in the parable of the sower. We need to see this, that actually, when we were born naturally, okay, from our mum, we were born through the seed of Adam, okay? And the seed of Adam deteriorates. It produces fruit, so yeah, a lot of my kids have a lot of the characteristics that I have, okay? But it, that seed dies. I die, my flesh dies. This world dies. This kingdom dies. But for us who have been born again, we have been implanted with an imperishable seed. We heard the word of God that was preached to us, verse 25, and it took root in our hearts. 
And the word, as John tells us, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That is Jesus Christ. And he lives in us. And you know what? That everything that Jesus produces in us will not die. It is an imperishable. All the works that God produces in us, that spirit of God in you, produces in you, nothing will perish that actually he does in your life. It will remain for eternity. Everything else will fade. This will not fade. This will remain. Isn't that amazing? God is doing a work in us. He has put his seed that we heard when we heard the gospel preached and he places it in our hearts and it produces in us an imperishable fruit that goes on and on and on, producing everything that he does by his spirit in us lasts for eternity. John says in 1 John 3, 9, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. His seed, H, capital H-I-S, abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So we see in conclusion that Peter's argument is that because you remember these things that God's done in you, this is a good time to, yeah, just because, because you remember these things that God's done in you, it helps us to be conformed to what God wants for us, to be conformed to the image of Christ and to produce this imperishable seed that will never fade or rot or deteriorate in any way or shape or form. And just taking us right back, thinking about Peter himself in what he faced and being recommissioned by Christ. He's coming back in and he's speaking out of first-hand knowledge. You know what? My hope isn't on my ability because I know what my ability is like. It fails when I really need it the most. It failed me. I was a coward and I was a liar and everybody knows it. But you know what? My hope is on Jesus Christ, who is raised again. My hope is that He has an inheritance for me, ready and waiting. My hope is on the fact that actually He's put in me an imperishable seed that will go on and produce fruit for eternity. That's what God's got for us. And when you are tempted to slide and to kind of get into things that are of the world, and your friends, come on, let's, yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's just do this. Let's just do this. It doesn't matter. You see, saying, actually, it does. Actually, it does. And I know what God's done for me. And I, I know that hasn't, for them, it hasn't happened yet. And you're hoping and believing that it will. But you're saying, no, no, for me, God has ransomed my life with his precious blood. And I've been purpose for a better purpose 
an eternal purpose. And it really matters how I live out this life. It really matters what my conduct's like. It really matters that I actually live a holy life. And that's what God's saying. Yeah? Let's stand. Let's worship God.